Good morning. Welcome to Worship at Abiding Grace. Today, God's Word teaches us about priorities. There are 
so many wonderful gifts that God gives us, things that we rightly love, um, and, and today he teaches us about what we ought to love most, because so often our problems aren't loving the wrong things, they're loving the right things too much, um, more than God. And, and that's, that's what God's Word deals with today, uh, as we learn to love God most of all, which allows us to love all the blessings he gives us. So we get to appreciate the giver more than the gifts. Today we worship that giver, we worship our God of love, following the order of service printed on the bulletin you received on your way in. Those of you online can find that bulletin at docs.abidinggrace.com, D-O-C-S dot abidinggrace.com. We make our beginning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's sing our opening hymn.
Our scripture reading comes from Paul's first letter to Timothy as he gives instructions for a properly prioritized life. We read from 1 Timothy chapter 6. <clears throat> but you, men of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To him be honor and might forever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's sing our hymn, Come Follow Me, the Savior Spoke.
May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. All you need is love. If Yeah, I hear the humming, right? Because we all know that song. And in fact, if you look at music throughout the centuries, I think there's one theme that dominates more than any other, and you probably know it too, love. Right? All these songs throughout the years about the joys of love, but a lot of songs that also admit that sometimes love is a burning thing. Sometimes love stinks. Love hurts. The joys and pains of love are things that people have wrestled with for centuries, and it all leads us to ask a question, an earworm of a question. What is love? Today, God helps us a little bit. He teaches us that love is about prioritizing things correctly and about ranking our loves correctly. And this seems true to us even in our daily human lives. Think of it this way, for example. You may love being fit, but you may also really have a sweet tooth or love junk food. If you start to rank those things incorrectly, you can see the problems that arise. No matter how much you love being fit, if you love junk food more, that one's not going to work out super well. But it's amazing how when we start to properly rank loves, whatever we ranked second is actually served by that too. In this example, if, if a person is really valuing their fitness, diet, and health, it's amazing how now an occasional treat or junk food is appreciated even more. Or think of it in a family. Parents are, and husbands and wives are to love each other, right? That's good. That's biblical. Parents are also to love their children. That's good. That's biblical. But if the love for children starts to outweigh the love between a husband and wife then problems start to unfurl. But when spouses value their love between each other first, it's amazing how that love flows so naturally to the children together. If this is how it works throughout life, how much more with God, the Father of all, how much more important is it that we rank our loves properly? Especially as Jesus tells us this morning, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. With this tough word, Jesus was instructing his disciples that this new life, this life of discipleship, of being a Christian, was not going to be easy. And it wasn't because he didn't come to bring peace. He was the Prince of Peace, after all. He established peace between God and us. But the problem is that message of salvation that he preached, salvation only through him, not by human efforts, that is going to be met with resistance as long as there are sinful hearts that want to resist him and many times forcefully. And so this is a hard truth to swallow because the message of the gospel isn't always going to mean peace here on this earth because of that resistance. And if we don't rank our love for God first, if we don't love God with an all-in love for God, this is a really hard truth to accept. Because a willingness to accept the sword, persecution, and division, it does require an all-in kind of love. And what Jesus says next shows just how all-in it is. 
It's all in even over relationships. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. The kind of love that Jesus calls for is even above family and friends. So why does Jesus tell us this? Well, we've learned that whenever we ask a why question of God, the answer is because he loves us. Jesus is saying this for our own good. That when we start to rank family or friends or relationships above him, we are actually putting ourselves in great danger and perhaps even in danger of a fall away from faith. You can think about how it happens, right? Maybe it's a loved one, a family or a, a family member or a friend that doesn't think the Word of God is all that important, doesn't prioritize getting into the Word of God or getting to church. It almost becomes contagious. And we don't want to push the issue because we don't want them to dislike us or love us any less. And next thing you know, we're in the Word less ourselves and not in church as much as we should be. Or maybe especially for younger people out there, it's a girlfriend or a boyfriend that pushes them to go beyond what is God-pleasing. Or maybe it's a friend who promotes some ungodly behavior, but it's so hard to say no to that because, once again, you don't want to be disliked by them. You don't want to just be seen as this goody-two-shoes who's no fun, and, and you want to keep that relationship. But there's danger in that. Because as you start to to put those loves above God, sure, you may have some peace in that relationship, but it's just a peace that isn't actually going to last. And one day it'll only end in division or perhaps even a forfeit of peace with God. And in fact, when we do the things I just described and we treat our other relationships just like that, we're not really loving those people. Are we? Because really what's driving us to that attitude is a want to be loved. The selfish wish that they love us and like us. No, true love is helping them see that God is most important. No matter what, even if it does lead to discord or disagreement or trouble. Because we know that the peace that we might get right now just by ignoring God or not being willing to talk about God isn't true peace. But we can help show them true peace with God. Ranking our love for Christ first with an all-in kind of love helps us love others better and more selflessly. Even if sometimes that might lead to conflict. But Christ knows this. And when you feel the difficulty of trying to find that rank of putting Christ first, even above relationships, we can look to him. His own dear friend betrayed him. His own brothers rejected him and wouldn't believe in him. The very people he came to save rejected him again and again. And eventually on the cross, he was even separated from his father. Jesus had all in love 
even to the cross. And that's who we get to follow as we do this. Because speaking of a cross, Jesus now calls us to take up ours. He says, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Cross. Now that's a weighty word. Historian Martin Hengel wrote that in the ancient world, the cross was the epitome of suffering and shame. So the fact that Jesus says we need to take up our cross, even after he's told us all these difficult things already, really just reiterates how hard this is. How difficult it is to take up our cross, to deny ourselves what we would want to love more than God, or what we would want to put first in our lives for his sake. And then to experience the discord that the gospel often brings with it. But we can do it. Because look at who we get to follow. Jesus said, take up their cross and follow me. All in love means all in love. This is where true love eventually leads to a willingness to suffer, to sacrifice, and even to die for the beloved. And believer or not, humans understand this, right? Just look at music again. All the songs about sacrifice, or you can think of Bruno Mars's, I'll catch a grenade for you, I would die for you, baby, right? It's all over music. How much more should we be willing to die for God, who is the author of life, who saved us? And that's exactly what Christ empowers us to do. And he tells us today, whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Giving up on our love for Christ now or compromising on our love for him and our beliefs in him. Sure, that might lead to some peace. That may take away some trouble among the family, or some persecution in our lives. But that temporary peace is only losing the true life, the eternal life and peace with God that we have through Christ. But when we put our love for Christ first, then we find true and eternal life with God. Then we know that no matter what happens, We're saved by him. How good is our God? He takes selfless love that should be sacrificing and needing nothing in return. And he gives us this incredible benefit, this reward. Eternal life with him. Peace with him. But again, this isn't easy. And Christ knows this. And that's why when we have difficulty with the cross we've taken up, we look to him. We couldn't take up our cross if he hadn't taken up his first. And we see how he had all in love. And all in love that was willing to trade peace for pain, power for a cross. And he gave up his life so that all could find eternal life in him. That is all in love. And that's good news. And Jesus moves into some of that good news with his final words of teaching here. 
He says, anyone who welcomes you welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. Those who receive Jesus' disciples, his teachers, as disciples, in other words, believing the message that they bring, they receive Christ. And through Christ, they receive a relationship with the Father. As you believe what the apostles teach us through the word, you have the same reward that they have. Eternal life with God and peace with God. And that's what this is all about. You can't lose that reward. This isn't Vegas. As you go all in with your love for God, you can't lose Jesus himself says it, you will certainly not lose your reward. Final verse. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. What comfort is there for us? Because we know that our all-in love sometimes is not that. But even our smallest actions of love that cup of water for a fellow Christian. God sees that. As we give our all in love to God, we're only doing what he's given to us first. And I've seen what you do as you live that love out for other Christians. And even what we can't see, God sees. And you will certainly not lose your reward. This summer, our church body has its national convention. This is the booklet from that, and they've got a theme that fits well this morning. It's embrace the cross and anticipate the crown. There's a reason for that theme. There are a lot of difficult things going on in our world today. There are a lot of difficult issues that need discussing. It's why this packet's so thick. And we have to plan and talk about how we can bring the gospel to a world that is so divided because of it. But as we put our all in love toward God, as we embrace this cross, and we're not just embracing it just to suffer through these things. No, to embrace the cross means embracing the fact that Christ embraced his and because of that, we have a crown to anticipate. And so, gathering around God's all-in love to us in Christ, it's amazing how that love just flows to each other, even as we talk about difficult things. It's amazing the unity we can have around that all-in love from God. And so, thanks be to God that you know that all in love, that because of him you can embrace the cross and anticipate the crown, the reward that you will certainly not lose. In Christ, amen. And now the peace of God that passes all understanding guards your hearts and minds in the true faith in Christ Jesus, amen. Please stand as together we'll recite the words of the Nicene Creed, that faith we hold to together. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty.
Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Please be seated. At this time, we give our offerings of thanks and praise to God. And as those are being received, you'll receive the friendship register. We ask you to put your information in there because as you do that, it helps us do what God has called us to do, to encourage one another on toward love and good deeds.